Well, from time to time, we all need quality health care. There's just no way around it, which is why now and then I enjoy featuring healthcare heroes here on Blabbit in the Bluegrass. And we've got another one of those lined up for you this time around. Now, we can't possibly talk healthcare heroes without talking about Dr. Jennifer Lyle. She is a pediatrician in Henderson, but not only is she a pediatrician, she also holds the honorable distinction of owning and operating the very first concierge pediatrics practice in the region. She opened this in 2017. So what exactly is concierge pediatrics? We'll find out as we go along here, and that is not Jennifer's only area of specialization. Uh Uh-uh. She also knows acupuncture, Botox, and then some. (laughs) The list just goes on and on. She has quite an extensive resume, to say the least. So we'll learn what inspired Jen to become a doctor. We'll dive into her areas of expertise, what sparked her interest in these areas of expertise, and we will learn of the most likely candidates to benefit from these treatments. So get ready to educate yourself and have an absolute blast in the process with this exciting and healthful edition of Blabbing in the Bluegrass Season 6, Episode 5. Kentucky features so much more than basketball and horses. We're home to scenic spectacles and one-of-a-kind golf courses. If boating, fishing, dining, or music is your pleasure, we'll guide you to the sights and sounds that you will truly treasure. Cause we're blabbing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide, cause we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste. From Caneyville to Cloverport, Cornette to Calvert City, nobody promotes all that the Commonwealth has to offer and has more fun doing it than we do here on Blabbing in the Bluegrass Exploration and Celebration of all things Kentucky. I'm Sam Moore here at the fabulous and festive North Quail Motel in stunning Henderson KY. Now, every time I get the opportunity to interview a doctor or a nurse, nurse practitioner, any kind of healthcare professional, it always warms my heart to do so because these are among the most underappreciated people that you're ever going to find. Now, you don't often think of them until you need them. But when you need them, these folks are literally lifesavers in many cases. And the work that they do shouldn't ever go unnoticed. And today we have a doctor who has earned the trust and respect of many little munchkins as well as their parents, Dr. Jennifer Lyles. She is a Henderson pediatrician, but she is so much more than a pediatrician, as we told you. She opened the uh, first concierge pediatrics practice in the region. That was, gosh, hard to believe, a little over five years ago now, back in 2017. We'll learn more about that concept. Jennifer also has some great advice for aspiring healthcare professionals. Yep, you called it. We'll have that towards the end of our discussion. It's going to be fun. It's going to be informative. You're not going to want to miss an instant. Now, before 
we get to Jennifer, of course, we have a brain buster. But even before that, I have another order of business to take care of as one of our most loyal listeners here on Blabbit in the Bluegrass is actually from the state of Missouri. Go figure. Yep, Daisy, Missouri is where he lives. Mr. Paul Ray is his name, and he celebrated a birthday back on Tuesday of this week. So happy birthday, Mr. Paul. We hope you had a great one, and we hope the celebration continues on and on seemingly endlessly, and uh, you definitely deserve it just for listening to us here each and every week and uh, being one of my diehards. So thanks so much, Paul, and we certainly wish you many, many more. So with that, let's press on to the Bluegrass Brain Buster. We do one of these each and every week, or at least we try, and we'll give you the question now. You can think on it while Jennifer and I do our blabbing, and you can hear the answer at the conclusion of today's show. Now, way back in 1873, Louisville druggist John Colgan invented a product that you can now find in practically every grocery store. What is it? Again, way back in 1873, Louisville druggist John Colgan invented a product that can be found in practically every grocery store. Nationwide, worldwide for that matter. What is it? Get the juices flowing and we will come back at you with the answer in the program's Final segments. Sam Moore now presents a kind and courageous healthcare hero. Well, it is an honor for me to welcome to the show a healthcare hero who has uh, a wealth of experience in not only pediatrics, but uh, acupuncture and uh, Botox. The list just goes on and on. We'll dive into it more as we go along. But since 2017, she has been the proud owner of uh, Premier Pediatrics and Wellness. It is the only facility of its kind in this part of the country. So that's something to be commended. And here to tell us uh, more about all of this and much, much more, let's welcome to the stage Dr. Jennifer Lyles. <laughs> Thank you, Sam. It's good to be here. Jennifer, it is an honor to have you on. I hope you're ready because we're really going to grill you. No, I'm kidding. Oh, you bring it. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> Holy kid. I can mess with Jennifer, folks. She and I have actually known each other for uh, a long time through, uh, through church. And interestingly enough, uh, our moms used to teach together. Yes, they did. And I still remember you at First Methodist Church sitting behind my family because you tended to sit. Yes, your family sat behind mine. And he was just the cutest little boy. And, you know, we didn't even mind if he poked the back of our, our chair or pew, I'm sorry, or kicked it. But I remember you from when you were probably six and seven years old. And I love it. And I love what all you're doing. So oh, way goodness. to go, well, Sam. I commend you. Your, your check's in the mail, okay? But, <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, uh, Jen, you had, uh, you had your husband Brent have um, a little one how old is your little one now well she just turned two back in March so she was definitely the epitome of a COVID baby she was born on the day of the Kentucky shutdown so that was a bit of an interesting oh uh, hospital experience and all so she has been raised during COVID and she's thriving though doing great Oh, goodness. We need to give her a shout out, too. What's her name? <laughs> her name is Elle. Elle. Hello, Elle. <laughs> Blabbing at the bluegrass. I'm sure she's uh, chomping at the bit to 
listen to her mama. <laughs> oh, she, she will be excited. Uh, if I ever bring her into the office, she says she's coming to help some people. So she would, she's going to love blabbing in the bluegrass and she's going <laughs> to love helping people. Look um, at her, you know, it might be a, a, a future doctor in the making. You never mm -hmm, can tell. I hope so. But uh, <laughs> anyway, Dr. Jen, when was it that you first entertained the thought of medical practice? You know, I am one of those weird kiddos who I, I think, honestly, I knew I wanted to be a doctor in early elementary school. My parents even remember me as like a six and seven year old, you know, taking care of all my baby dolls and giving them checkups and saying that I wanted to be a doctor. Um, so I'm kind of, you know, yes, of course, I entertained all other things, marine biology, and I want to be a veterinarian. And that was kind of the 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 thing of the week. And then, oh, of course, everybody wants to be an astronaut at some point during their childhood. But really, that being a doctor really did just stick with me all throughout my, my early childhood and, you know, even into high school and college. And so I'm one of those very fortunate ones, because I know a lot of young people now, they just, they don't know what they want to do, and they struggle with that. And I'm yeah. a very fortunate one that I did know very early on and really didn't sway from that. So you know, some people about their third, fourth, fifth year of college, they finally decide what it is they want to do. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then some, I guess, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm still discovering who I'm meant to be. So at 40, <laughs> almost two, then I still can change my mind, I guess. But well, you know, uh, <laughs> life is a life is a never ending learning process, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, it is. But uh, anyway, uh, although you uh, you currently bring a, a number of specializations, to the table, Jen, your initial focus was pediatrics. So tell me when and how you first became interested in the realm of pediatrics. Sure. No, I think that I think all along my true passion was likely pediatrics. Now, when I got to medical school, if you had asked me that first year, um, you know, I really thought I wanted to maybe go into ear, nose and throat. We all um, here in the Henderson area, we all know Dr. Logan and Midwest oh, yeah. ENT, and that's actually how I got my start in sort of doing some of the pre-medical things. I went to I went to him at church actually, and said, "You know, can I come shadow you?" And he said, "You know, I'll do better than that. I'll give you a job." And so I fell in love with the practice of ENT. And so picture this: let's fast forward, and I get to medical school. What I really learned is when all of my rotations. I'm kind of one of those people. I enjoy learning just anything new. And I, I love the practice of medicine. But really, when I when I look back at it, it was so fun, because I loved lots of different specialties. But what did I congregate to? I love the pediatric side, you know, surgery, I love the pediatric surgery, surgery more than adults, neurology, I loved the kids more than the adults. And so when I really got it, when it came to the nitty gritty, and I had to decide where I wanted to do, you know, where I wanted to go and what what residency did I want to do? It was kind of, it kind of smacked me in the face that I'd been in denial <laughs> thinking I was going to do maybe surgery or ENT or something like that. When really I was like, oh my gosh, I just, I really love children and all things to do with children. You know, I think I would be the type of person that maybe gets bored if I only did one specialty all the time. So I love, 
I love the, the just every day a kid could come in maybe for a sports physical and we talk about their athletic career. And then, you know, right after that, I have a sick kid that maybe unfortunately, you know, has COVID or has something else. And then you switch gears and you have a kid who's battling severe allergies. I really love the variety and I like getting to know a lot about a lot of different things. See, so, no, no two days are exactly the same, are they? Exactly. No two days are exactly the same. You've got it. <laughs> yes, indeed. And, and kids are just so much fun, aren't they? Oh, they are. I think truthfully, being a pediatrician and seeing kids all the time is going to keep me young, even when I'm, you know, 92 years old. And I think when I look at it too, the reason why I love children, I think I'm just an overgrown kid and I'm okay with letting that side of my personality out every day so exactly I love it. and the kids appreciate it even more and the kids love it I was like yeah I sit there and talk about it. I talked to a kid today for about 15 minutes about dinosaurs and the mom is just laughing at us and I'm See? like oh I can talk about this all day like this is great I'm on this kid's level <laughs> they're gonna want to go see Dr. Jen even when nothing's wrong with them yeah when nothing's wrong to get their sucker and talk about dinosaurs yeah I would be fibbing if I said that never happened yeah, yeah there was an old country song by um I believe it was, I believe it was Tammy Wynette. Kids say the darndest things. And I'm sure oh, you know do. that from experience, don't they you? They do, definitely. <laughs> and that's probably the favorite part about my job too. You know, I think when you go to doctors, sometimes people get scared or they're stuffy or they're not going to listen to me. I will greet the kid first, almost in every circumstance, even when they're three years old. And when you talk to them and make eye contact with them, oh man, like that parent can just go sit down. They're going to tell me what they need that day, but it is hilarious <laughs> to see what the kids will say. So I love it. Yeah. Love sometimes you, you know, a, a patient will leave and you're like, oh my gosh, if only I had a a camera or my, my phone mm -hmm. recording because you yeah. know so. I often said I should write a book of like all the just goofy things and funny things that they say during the day yeah. there you go Jen write a book and then I'll have you back on here to promote it but uh, okay that sounds, that sounds good <laughs> but yeah we'll look forward to that but but anyway uh onward we press now to your uh collegiate education I'm gonna see if I can remember you did your undergrad at uh, Murray didn't you I did. Go racers. Go yes, racers. Mm -hmm. Yes, indeed. Were you at pre-med there, I assume? So I was. I was pre-med, and I also fortunately got to play tennis there as well. So I was on the tennis team. I don't know if you knew that about me. That's a fun If I did, I'd forgotten, Jen. Yeah, that's okay. So played tennis <laughs> and was pre-med. Yes, sir. <laughs> you were a tennis and pre-med, so you probably didn't get much sleep while you were down there. Uh, no, but I stayed in good shape, so that was good. I could eat those late-night nachos and stuff. So that There you good. go. <laughs> no freshman 15 for you. But no, I gained but, that in med school. It's all good. No. So even, even before you would ultimately go to Harvard, you went to the Harvard of Callaway County. I did the Harvard. Yes. I actually think while I was there, they, that was their slogan. It was the Ivy league of the South. And we sort of all cringed at that and it was embarrassing. And you're like, really? Like, let's not say that. No, but that was their slogan. Whenever, um, I think at the end of my four years there, the Ivy league of the South. Oh, no. goodness. Well, but Murray well, was wonderful and I would not change any of my time there. I absolutely loved it. Oh goodness. Yeah. Whatever, whatever it takes to get bodies on campus, I guess, like, whatever yes. slogan you need, but, uh, I guess. Yeah. but anyway, you, uh, you eventually went to Harvard, but where did you, uh, where did you go to med school? Initially? Yeah. So I went to medical school at the university of Kentucky. So I did my, my med school there for four years. Okay. So you're a rice and ran a wildcat. Yep. I'm a wildcat. I bled blue way before that too, but yeah. So wildcat fan for sure. Well, I felt the same way when I was at Western. I, I was always a UK fan because both my parents went there and I, I, I never felt bad 
bad about it. Mm -hmm. but, uh, nope, you don't have to feel bad. <laughs> you, can still, you can still cheer for some hilltoppers as well. That's good. But yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. Now, what, uh, what sort of experiences did you get um, outside of the classroom at, at UK that helped you out in your, uh, in your medical career later on? Gosh, well, you know, one of the experiences that I absolutely loved and I've actually gotten to use recently was my involvement with the, um, I'm sorry, with the Free Salvation Army Clinic. And so, oh yeah, the um, Thrive Clinic. Yes. So our Thrive Clinic that we've started here in Henderson, Dr. Hopper and I, and with Chris Butler's help and my husband's help, and we have a board of people that are helping us, but uh, we have gotten to start a nonprofit clinic and we're sort of modeling it after my experience with the Salvation Army Clinic in Lexington that we all as medical students got to help out with. And you know, when you're, when you're a student and you're like the lowest man on the totem pole to as you know, so to speak, when you get to go to a clinic and you're seeing patients and you're helping make some decisions and then you go to your attending and say, I think this is what they need and let's give them this medicine. And they're like, okay, that sounds great. Go count out those pills they need. Like we really felt like we were making a difference and it was wonderful. And so it was, it was a free clinic that was offered in Lexington and they got free medical care from a med student first, but then ultimately a, you know, a trained physician, but then they sure. also left with their medications that they would need, whether it was for a sinus infection or blood pressure or anything like that. And, and we, we got to help give that out right there as they were in our office. And so actually that's how Dr. Hopper and I modeled our free clinic that we have started here in Henderson is okay, based on your experience up there. Exactly. Based on my experience at UK. Yes, sir. At UK. Yes, indeed. Mm -hmm. So, you, you know, you were getting good experience and at the same time, you got a sense of, of gratification knowing that you were, you know, making the difference in, in people's Definitely. lives. So Definitely. You know, on a lighter note, though, the other great experience I got is that while you're waiting for your lottery tickets for the, you know, when you're a student, it's not a given that you get a UK basketball ticket. You have to go, oh, no. you have to go join the lottery, it's called, and you get this ticket and you have to go sit in the stadium. And if they call your number, then you can buy three basketball tickets in a row, you know, the next three games you could get for $5 is what it was whenever I was a student. And so my very good real world experience is you can study anywhere, even if you're surrounded by 2000 of your closest friends that are also UK students. And so as med students, we would kind of travel as a pack and we would go and we'd be quizzing each other. And, you know, when your buddy's ticket gets called and you're like cheering for him, but then you're like, oh, I, I hate you. You're getting my tickets. But anyway, so I got some real world, I got some real world uh, experience there with, I can study almost anywhere. There you go. So you, you studied while you were in the lottery line. While we were waiting, yes, to be able to get our basketball tickets. Yes, Unless I had a major test that next day, I didn't miss many basketball games. So did you ever get an early draw in that lottery? You know, I did. And probably the best story I have is that I went with a friend one time and she was wearing a boot on her ankle because she had a fracture. And they, when our tickets got called, they said, oh, ma'am, I'm so sorry. You shouldn't have waited in the lottery. You can actually sit in our reserved handicap and handicap accessible section. And she was like, oh, okay. And they were like, oh yeah. And we don't want you to sit by yourself at the game, grab a friend. She grabbed me. How we about sat that? in the lower level 
like I, I felt, I felt like I had definitely won the lottery that night because the so seats you- were amazing, <laughs> and she didn't have to hobble up to the nosebleed section wearing her boot for her fracture, and so it was wonderful. See, so yeah, you could, you could, pr- <laughs> you could probably almost reach out and touch the players. Oh, you you could, yeah. Well, I think we got some sweat on us even. We were so close. Yeah. Oh, that's great. awesome. <laughs> it was great. Oh gosh. So anyway, you you spent four years up there in Lexington. Did, did you do a residency, Jen? Then yes, so I did my pediatric residency at a wonderful standalone children's hospital in Columbia, South Carolina. And they have switched names now, but at the time it was called Palmetto Health Richland Children's Hospital. So it was in Columbia, South Carolina, and it was amazing. You know, even though it's Gamecock territory, other than that. Oh, it definitely was, yeah. (laughs) There was a big rivalry, kind of like UK versus U of L. Clem, uh, Clemson versus Gamecocks. Oh yeah, that you didn't talk about that. You had no. to choose that. So I <laughs> yeah, Cle- Clemson's almost a cuss word in Columbia, isn't it? Yeah, it, it almost is. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, how how long were you down in Columbia, all told? So to, uh, in total, three total years. Three total Nothing years. Nothing but pediatrics. So thirty six solid months of pediatrics. Now the good thing is the uh, the UK basketball team goes down there once a year. Did you ever go to a Kentucky oh. game down South Carolina? Yeah, yes, they did go down there. So you got to think back then. UK was well like they are now. Pretty pretty stinking good. The Gamecocks were not so good. So I'm not usually one that's a big trash talker, but I did happen to wear, I was in the ER two years in a row, actually, and I happened to wear my UK scrubs. And I went so far to put UK tattoo, like the little sticker tattoos on my face. On your and face. those happened to be the two years. So that would have been probably 2009 or 10-ish. Yeah, 2009 and 10. Um South Carolina unexpectedly beat UK two years in a row. And oh, I, had I remember that. Yes, yes. That that's me, Sam. That was me. Oh and gosh. so it was bad. <laughs> but so, I wore my scrubs and my tattoos proudly for the rest of the night. And I just had to suck it up. <laughs> it was a little character building, and that's yeah, okay. Yeah, the fans around you uh, didn't show much mercy, I'm sure. No, they did not. And I, I took it, and it was great. It's okay. Oh, <laughs> good. This gives you a good story to tell, anyhow. Oh yeah. gosh, I, I love how we're missing we're mixing the medicine with with sports. People should. Oh, definitely, I like it too. Yeah, your your husband Brand is a Tennessee fan, and we try not to hold oh, that gosh. against him. We we I don't know. My family may hold that against him, but no, I'm just kidding. There's a little bit of orange that's crept into my house and my little girl loves the color orange and she likes to say the word because it is kind of fun so oh yeah. goodness yeah <laughs> oh goodness so do y'all have to like go in separate rooms to watch the Kentucky Tennessee games <laughs> uh you know well here's the fun thing so he is all about football right but because I'm more basketball and so is my whole family and not maybe UK football like we do okay with that and then he's the opposite with basketball he doesn't really care but then Tennessee has been really good the last few years so it's been fun actually for both of us to watch because I've been rooting for Tennessee too as long as they're not playing us so you know oh, it, gotcha. it's worked out okay I usually send him to that room by himself if, if football's playing though yeah yeah football, football season and, <laughs> yeah football season I'm like you just go and you do your yelling and that's okay and I, don't really <laughs> I hope yeah. you win but, yeah, yeah basketball he's more casual yeah but, exactly but anyway Jed uh Talk about how you uh, you ultimately found your way back home to Henderson and take us through your early days of, uh, of practice prior to opening your own practice. 
Sure. So, you know, I came back in 2011 and, oh, I was so excited to come back to my hometown. Um, so I'm not going to lie, South Carolina was wonderful, but it, I just kept having this pull that, you know, if I'm going to serve any people, children, obviously, I was like, I would love a personal connection with them. It's so funny how many times I run into patients or parents and things and they say, you know, we went to church with you or we had your mom in class. I know that happens to you a lot too, that, I mean, our moms had everybody in class, I feel like. And oh, so yeah. I just, I love having that personal connection. I even had a few people, which not many people know that my dad actually taught school. He was at Niagara and taught math for a couple of years. And I've had a couple of patient uh, moms and I hate to say grandmothers, but yes, grandmothers that are like, I had your dad in class. And so I just love that personal connection. So when I first came back, I went into practice with Crick and Fife Pediatrics. And so Oh my gosh, they are so wonderful. So I got to work with Dr. Crick and Dr. Fife and Dr. Irvin and Sharon Shields and Sherry Shelton. And it was, it was so much fun and it was a, a wonderful way to get my start. And then, um, you know, then I, we um, went in with the hospital. And so, you know, as, as we're seeing all over the place, a lot of private practices are actually kind of being taken over by hospitals and things like that. And um, so the practice that then mine kind of evolved into, even though it was really no different, it was the same doctors and staff and all of that. I did get a new building just because we were getting, getting pretty busy and they were trying to kind of separate us out so that we could have all more room to practice. Gotcha. And so that practice uh, was called uh, Methodist Pediatrics. And so then I got to meet some other wonderful people. A super fun person that I worked with was Rachel Hensley. And oh, let's yeah. go forward a little bit. And she now is working with me and she helped me, you know, when I moved out into private practice, she came and, and worked with me here. So that's kind of my, my stepwise pattern. It was in <laughs> private group practice to then a hospital practice. And, you know, honestly, I, I love private practice. There was just something in me that I, I didn't want to be that, you know, that, that kind of hamster on the wheel where you're just trying to see more, see more, see more. Yeah, exactly. You know, trying to meet that bottom line, trying to just see more and maybe your quality is, is not as good because I was finding that we, we have some really serious issues in this in this town and we have some kids with some very serious medical problems and not all kids can be taken care of in seven or 10 or 15 minutes and so um, I think I also have a very entrepreneurial mind and that I, I, I enjoy the business aspect of medicine as well as the medicine aspect of it and so ultimately that's kind of what uh, whether it was bravery or insanity, I'm still not 100% sure that <laughs> I ventured out. And you know, when the rest of the rest of the, the world out there is going towards security and hospital systems and things like that, I'm that one weird one who broke away from that and, you know, and started my own practice. But well, you got to go against the grind sometimes. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> and I'd say, I'd, say it's, I'd say it's paying off now. But anyway, <laughs> I, I do remember uh, reading in, in an article when I was trying to, to learn a little more about you that back when you worked with Methodist Pediatrics, you were seeing a whopping 5,000 some odd patients a year. Yeah, we did. All of us in our patient panels had about 5,000 kids. And, you know, that's what was frustrating is that I would see people out at Walmart or at a restaurant or, you know, I'm from here. So I've got lots of friends and people know us and you'd be somewhere and I'd be like, oh, you know, let's just say their little, their kid's name was 
John. I haven't seen John in weeks or months maybe. And they'll be like, oh yeah, he's had six ear infections, but you're so packed that I can't ever get in to see you. Oh. So yeah. So we've been to urgent care or something. And I'm like, oh, I had no, I had no idea. And so I, I, I didn't want to not be available to people. I didn't not want to be helpful because if I can't be helpful to my patients, then what good am I? And so I really wanted to take a step back. I wanted to have medicine be practiced the way that it used to be, you know, when you could call your doctor at night and when I would come in, you know, say, say it's 15 minutes after we close, it's okay. I'm actually doing this, doing this interview and in my office, cause I, I thought it would be more convenient. And I had some things to finish up after work and I didn't Look, want to be so, so, <laughs> That's dedication. So, you're, you're yes, coming to yes. me from water street. <laughs> yes, I am. Yes. But, but I just, I just wanted to practice in a different way and offer care like it used to be. And also in, you know, a little future Futuristic too, but I just I, I wanted to be the best doctor for my patients that I can be. Yeah, doing it this way was was the best way. Exactly. When you're seeing five thousand a year, you you can't keep tabs on them, can you? No, it's, it's a little hard to keep tabs on <laughs> yeah. them. This time. Five thousand of them and one of you, but uh, but anyway, you've uh, you've had premier pediatrics and wellness since uh, 2017. So gosh, a little over five years now. But uh, anyhow, for those who aren't yet uh, familiar with this uh, increasingly popular concept, and we've touched on it a little bit already, but tell us what, uh, what sets concierge pediatrics apart from the, uh, the standard care provided by most other pediatrics or pediatricians, sure. I should say. Sure. So, and basically what concierge is, I, you know, people ask this a lot. They're like, well, do you just charge per visit or do you still take insurance? So basically I think of it as like a Netflix fee. So people do pay a monthly fee based on how many children you have. And, you know, it, it, I, I do think of it as like a Netflix fee. I tried to make it very affordable. The more children you have, the cheaper it gets. And actually after three children, you don't pay for any additional ones. So it actually behooves people, you know, if you want to have six kids and bring them to me, it's like buy three, get three free. No, but uh, <laughs> basically what that allows me to do is still pay the bills, still, you know, pay my staff, do things like that, but keep a small panel. So I have, my, my goal was 300 and honestly, I am at about 320 right now. So I'm a little over, over my goal. Which a little is over your initial say. goal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, what they get that is special is we really are a big family here. You know, you get to know my staff, you get to know me, we, we are the people you see. You're not seeing a different provider. I, I get you in on the same day or possibly if somebody calls right at five and it's not an emergency, we're going to put them in the next day. But that day or the next day, you get a, a guaranteed appointment, even if I'm working through lunch, staying after hours, you know, whatever. You also have my personal cell phone number, and that is wonderful to help keep people out of urgent cares and help keep people out of the emergency room. Now, you know, if it's an emergency and somebody has a broken arm, then we still have to utilize an ER because I'm not going to cast and stuff like that. But right. if it's a fever, if it's a, you know, I think they've got strep throat, you know, then I, I obviously answer my cell phone and we, and we work something out where, you know, I come in and see them or I guide them over the phone. And so it really is just that 24 hour a day personal care with the same doctor every day. And so we have lots of kids. We have very normal kids that only see me once a year, but then we have kids with such things as autism or very pretty significant ADHD that need pretty frequent care. And what we have found is just because they get so used to 
our office, our staff, the way things run, like even some of the worst of my autistic kiddos, they, they thrive in this kind of environment because they know what to expect. So they're usually kind of climbing all over us and hugging on us and doing things <laughs> you that you would not think of as that normal, you know, sometimes as that, that uh, maybe kid with autism or something in a, in, in a doctor's, uh, you know, kind of environment. Where yeah, having- exactly. Yeah. You're, you're like, you're like their aunt Jennifer. <laughs> I am. I'm totally like their fun aunt Jen. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> and that is why most of my patients call me Dr. Jen, Dr. Lyles. It's too stuffy and formal. And so, yep. Dr. Jen yeah. stuff and call me and, and I'm yeah, exactly right. I'm just like their fun aunt Jen. <laughs> Dr. Jen's way more fun. It just sort of rolls off the tongue. Yep. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, let's say, speaking of your staff, let's say, I know you're, your sister shout shout out to Jamie Lyle. Yep, shout out to Jamie. Manager. Jamie is is rocking it. Yes. Yes, indeed. And you mentioned Rachel Hensley, who works yep. with you. Rachel, and then we've got Mary Clary, and she helps us do a little bit of everything and lots of referrals and things like that. So Mary Clary, and then I also have an awesome pre med student who works here, Tassidy Brooks. If anybody ah. knows Cassidy, and so she's uh, wants to be a pediatrician one day, and so she's. Uh, She's uh, kind of applying to medical school as we speak, actually. So a small but mighty bunch there at Premier mm-hmm. Pediatrics <laughs> and Wellness, to say the least. Now, uh, although you generally see and treat patients uh, at the office downtown Henderson, there, I know that in some cases you've been known to make house calls. So tell us mm-hmm. what might meet the criteria for a house call from Dr. Yes, Jim. so. So house calls, you know, they are more rare now than they were more at the beginning and then especially during COVID and stuff, but house calls can can be for lots of different reasons. If somebody literally is too sick that they cannot leave their home or get their kids out, of course, I would I would make a house call. I have actually done a few house calls on newborns who's maybe the mom is just she's after a c-section and she is completely miserable and I actually did a house call on uh, uh, newborns but they had multiples and so that's fun if twins and things like that like that's that's really hard getting multiple new babies out you know on that two days after you're home from the hospital so I don't do them as often as I used to but um, but just because we're so busy in the office and and because COVID you know is not as scary as it was you know, back in at the beginning of 2020, but, um, but yeah, so, you know, house calls definitely still indicated. I have definitely, nobody's taken me up on this, but we do go to the lake pretty often and I have lots of families from the lake and I'm like, you know, I would, I would meet you down at the lake. I'd come to Opalia's is a great uh, pizza place down there. You know, I'm like, we could, oh, is that Eddieville? This, yeah, that is at, um, uh, Princeton. Princeton. Okay. Uh, not in far Princeton. off. We're, we're at Katawa now. And so that's where gotcha. my parents get the boat. And so, you know, I've, I've definitely offered, we all laugh about it when they've driven to the office and I'm like, we should have just met at the lake this weekend, but, uh, but that's still on the, I still do that. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. You just never know when you might uh, you just, be called into yeah, practice you while know. you're, <laughs> while you're spending a weekend at the lake. Now, uh, you, you are the first, uh, practice of your, of your kind in this area here. So, uh, you mentioned your lake folks, where, where else do, uh, people travel to to come see Dr. Jen. I think I got some Evansville and uh, Southern Indiana. Yes, we have Evansville, Mount Vernon, uh, maybe up into Boonville. And gosh, this is terrible. There's somebody even more north than Boonville. 
that comes and I'm like, wow, it's like an hour and a half north. And I'm like, that's, that's impressive. So then we have, I have some coming um, actually from Paducah and the lake area, Dawson Springs, Princeton. Um, I'm trying to think of more East Kentucky. Don't really think I have many out towards Louisville, things like that. It's a lot of Western Kentucky, but definitely we do pull from, um, from Indiana for sure. You mean you're not getting people coming from Hazard? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not. If I did more telehealth, which I do some telehealth as well, I do feel like with COVID and telehealth, that really has revolutionized the practice of medicine. You know, with pediatrics, some things can be done during telehealth. It's still, you really do need to, you know, lay hands on that child and look in their ears and, and you know, see them in person. But there are some things that can be done. And so you never know, like, I'm, I'm not going to discount that, Sam. I think I can get a patient from Hazard if I need it. There you go. You if know, I, if I, if I worked hard at, at, in Hazard area. Yeah. We, 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 we got to have something to aim for, right? Yeah, exactly. I need, I need some goals. Yeah. There you go. You. <laughs> Always got to be goal oriented, but that's coming. Your Hazard patient is, uh, is on the way. Now, they they uh, might be listening. They might be listening right now. And I would love to have a patient. There you go. Up, Regardless of what part of Kentucky you're in, contact Dr. Jen and she'll, exactly. <laughs> she'll be you. more than glad to uh, assist you. But anyway, uh, Jen, your areas of specialization extend well beyond the boundaries of uh, pediatrics. In fact, in recent years, you've become uh, widely respected for your acupuncture experience. And this is where Harvard comes in because you, uh, you spent time up in the uh, in Harvard, uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts, to be exact. I did, and it was lovely. <laughs> and uh, how long were you there learning acupuncture? So that was a nine-month course that they had. And so this is pretty wild. Harvard, which I, I don't think that they're offering this course anymore. They've, they've um, let it go. And I think one of the osteopathic medical schools picked it up. But when I went, Harvard offered a nine-month medical acupuncture course, and it was opened up internationally to physicians. And so it, it's kind of a one of a kind class. Actually, it's a one of two kind class. There's one in California and there's one in Harvard. So acupuncture is a four year degree, just like going to medical school. And ah. so what these two places do, Harvard and California, I think it was like UC Berkeley, but don't quote me on that. But somewhere out in California, both of these places offered a nine month intense medical acupuncture course for physicians. And so they knew we'd already taken anatomy and physiology and, and all of that. And so it was amazing. Looking back, I have no idea how I did the course as far as timing, because you didn't go up there and live in nine months, you're doing acupuncture every day. You add kind of a degree of complexity to it because you're still working full-time here in Kentucky, but you're taking a nine-month course that was 300 course credit hours while you're working and seeing patients and being on call. And oh, so gosh. what a lot of it was online every Sunday. Oh my gosh. My, I had no life for those nine months because every <laughs> weekend I had to kind of cram in my, my watching of videos and test taking and things like that. But once a month, it didn't matter if you were little old me from Kentucky or if you were a physician in, oh, I met people from Croatia and Korea and I mean, Germany, all over the world, you had to fly to Boston and we had a hands-on training 
for three and a half intense days for nine months. So I did go up there. Oh, it was, it was amazing. So I'm, I'm the weirdest, coolest pediatrician that you'll ever meet, Sam, because (laughs) my my youngest patient is new or newborns. And my oldest patient right now is 92. (laughs) That's quite an age range. (laughs) Yes, it is. You know, the, the reason that I went up to learn acupuncture is because of my pediatric patients. I had this handful of migraine headache sufferers, and I will call them sufferers. I love treating migraines. There's a lot of good medications and other therapies that we can use for migraines, but I have four that, you know, you know, HIPAA, of course, I won't say names, but I could literally write these names down on a piece of paper right now because they're that fresh in my mind. But I had four kids and their age ranged from eight all the way up to 16. They had mm. such severe migraine headaches that they went all over the country. Um, Mayo Clinic, one of them went up to a Children's Hospital in Philadelphia, which CHOP is like Oh, you know, the Mecca of pediatrics. Oh yeah. Some Will's Eye Children's in, Hospital. And, and, and some were even enrolled in some studies for migraine, med, new migraine medications. And so these four that stick out in my mind were sent back to me after seeing all these specialists. And they said, you know, Dr. Jen, their note basically said, you know, we've tried and exhausted everything you know, do what you can for these kids, but there's nothing else to try. And so get them out of school, maybe give them some pain medication for those days that are too unbearable, and maybe they'll grow out of them. And I'm, you know me well enough, because you've known me since you were a little kid, but yes. I am such a perfectionist. And that that was not a good answer for me. I'm like, I'm not just going to tell this kid, I'm really sorry, you're eight, but you can't go be in the third grade this year. No. And so <laughs> I was, I was looking for that other answer. Well, what is something else we can try that could maybe get you some help? And so I'm definitely one of those two that I'm okay with thinking outside the box. I think sometimes we put ourselves in these boxes and if you can't see the bigger picture, then that's a shame sometimes. So I I had an attending in South Carolina, actually this kind of comes full circle and it's so weird, but (laughs) one of my attendings in South Carolina, he now is runs the ICU at Norton's children's hospital in Louisville, but I met him and he was doing this exact same course. And we kind of thought he was, Ooh, this is kind of hippy dippy California. Like this is weird and kind of cool, but he would practice on us when we were in the ICU. He'd be like, you know, Dr. Jen, you look pretty tired. And I'm like, yeah, I just was on call for 30 hours. I'm pretty tired. So he'd put a couple (laughs) points in me. And, and anyway, long story short, when I was thinking about doing this, I called him and I said, you know, are you still, are you still doing acupuncture? And he said, yes. And if he said, apply. And if you get in, he said, don't look back just do it because he said, uh, most of us up here in the ICU have gotten trained. They're doing research with head trauma and acupuncture. And he said, just do it that it, I have no other words for you. And so that's really, honestly, that's all the encouragement I needed was just do it. And I, and I did, I got in and I'm one of 75 doctors internationally that year that got to learn medical acupuncture. And it was amazing. And I learned (laughs) Yeah, I learned on kids and adults and mainly adults, honestly, and you just kind of extrapolate it to kids. And so I came back to Henderson and I was like, you know, I know, I know too many awesome treatments now to only see kids with this. And so that's when I made the decision to open my acupuncture practice to adults. 
So. Yes, indeed. See, that, meeting that gentleman that first uh, exposed you to acupuncture, that, that's another reason God puts you in South Carolina. I think it is. It is. <laughs> for, a, for a few years. But uh, anyway, you, you weren't lying when you said it, uh, it all comes full circle. But uh, anyway, for those, for those not yet familiar with, uh, with acupuncture, uh, talk a little bit about what this procedure entails. Sure. Yeah, sure. So they think acupuncture from kind of old recordings and drawings and things. I think it's been around for around, there's actually some dates that they think are maybe 5,000 years old, but it's very well recorded for the last 3,500 years. And so basically it's, it's um, Chinese medicine based on ancient Chinese text. And I learned the Japanese, it's called the Japanese palpation method, but they kind of, the Japanese and Chinese and Korean sort of honed in on this and they just, um, we insert tiny little needles. So they are like the size of a hair follicle. When people think of acupuncture, they're thinking needles and ouch, that's gonna hurt. But we insert very small needles along certain pathways. They're called meridians in Chinese medicine. And basically the whole point of it is to help rebalance the body and help it heal itself. And so along these meridians, we have a flow of chi and it sometimes gets kind of wonky because of, you know, in Western medicine, we don't sit around and talk about our chi and things like that. But the Chinese no. <laughs> believe that you are born with chi. We nourish it throughout our lifetime. And when we run out of it, we die. And so along the way, you get little bumps in the road and injuries, and maybe we don't do all the best things for ourselves and things like that. And so things go awry as a good way. And so I can put these needles in you to help kind of help fix your chi and help stir, straighten those meridians up. No, but basically it just, it puts the body back into balance and it helps your body heal itself is how right. I like to give it. There so, you go. Yeah. If, so <laughs> I do, if I do my job correctly, um, let's say somebody comes in for back pain or for migraine headaches or something. If I do my job correctly, when you leave my office, you feel like you've had the best massage of your life. Like you just feel kind of nice and relaxed and like you've had a nap or that you may need a nap actually. Sometimes people sleepy, right. but you just feel nice and relaxed or maybe like I've given you a cocktail and I haven't. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> like you're floating in the clouds almost. Like you're just kind of floating on out of here. Exactly. <laughs> yes, indeed. That's a, so when you think needles, don't think shots in the arm. Yeah, don't think shots in the arm. This is a cool statistic. So 50 of my acupuncture needles will actually fit in the hub of your last like tetanus flu or COVID shot. So this, the, mm. the same needle they use to give a shot, I can How fit a little acupuncture needles. So most people don't even realize that I'm putting anything in them. Um, and then they'll look at their leg and be like, Oh, wow, I have six in me, you know, um, <laughs> where those come from. Very comfortable. Yeah. Now I joke around with some of them that I'm going to get my knitting needles out to jab in them, but no, I'm not really going to do that. <laughs> it's very small, very painless. And I have little kids that come get it too. And they're not bothered by it either. They think it's usually pretty cool. There you go. And as I'm sure you remembered, you, you treated my late dad for, with acupuncture for a yes, while. And, yes, and uh, <laughs> he really was impressed with how, how much better it made him feel. But uh, anyway, how, how much, um, how many visits typically do acupuncture patients need? 
I always tell people to give, you know, let me, let me at least try three to six on somebody before they just throw in the towel and say, you know, nah, this isn't for me. You know, the younger somebody is, this is always very interesting to me, but the younger the patient is typically the fewer visits they need. For instance, if I'm trying to help maybe a baby that's very colicky or constipated or just super fussy, sometimes, you know, one, one visit, and I don't even use needles sometimes in little babies. I have a laser and we can also use things called ear, ear seeds. I, I get wonderful results with those and not even having to use needles. So one to two in younger patients. And truthfully, it does depend on the, on the problem that somebody's coming in with. So I, I, I actually don't even guess on people anymore. I've had a gentleman who was literally hit by a train and he came in with back pain that he's had for, you know, over oh, two decades. Ouch. He said, he said, I don't really think you can help me. You know, here's my story. I was literally hit by a train, but I've seen you help my wife. And I just kind of thought it looked fun and I wanted to try it. And so I see him again. He came in with his wife and he said, Hey, do you notice anything different about me? And he stands up in front of me. And I said, no, you look, you look the same as I remember you. Well, I met him laying down on the table. I didn't see him standing up. He said, well, my foot, my foot is turned straight now. He said, I don't know what you did to me, but my foot used to be almost like a ballerina position where one was perpendicular to the other instead of parallel. Oh he no. Said, I can turn both of my feet straight now. Who knew? And oh, he's got I, two straight feet. He's got two straight feet. And he said because of his back and hip injury, he had never been able to do that. And that was in one treatment. And I was like, um, that's that's crazy and awesome. And so um, I sort of get amazed at it every day by doing it. And I can't explain, nor can anybody right now, we can't explain 100% how acupuncture works, but I see it work every day. And that's that's kind of enough for me, which is weird because that's kind of in opposition of my personality. I usually want to know exactly how this works, what I'm doing, why it works. And with acupuncture, I don't know, there's something kind of poetic about it that I see it work every day and in most people. And, yeah, and there's still some unanswered questions, but we know it's effective. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it doesn't follow nerves. It doesn't follow blood vessels. They think it may be on myofascial planes. Um, but there's lots and lots of research. I know Harvard had joined in with lots of universities all around the world, actually, and they're doing a ton of research on it. Exactly. And it does change some of our anti-inflammatory cells. Anti-inflammatory markers go up and our inflammation markers go down after acupuncture. So it's, it's very cool. Yeah, it is fascinating. And, you know, it takes different patients, depending on their problems, different, different amounts of time to uh, fully recover, but they, they generally start uh, noticing results pretty quickly. It sounds like Usually pretty quickly. Yeah. Within a couple, I would say I get um, at least something is moving in the right direction. So before you know it, it you know, you could be a, a, a whole new person, but anyway, <laughs> onward and upward now to um, another aspect of your specialization, which is Botox. So let's, yes. uh, let's so, talk a little bit about Botox and the purpose okay. that serves. <laughs> I can probably guarantee that you do not need any Botox either, Sam. You're young and handsome. So you sure, you're not okay. All yeah. right. No, I'm teasing. So. But uh, so this this is is just weird. And this is what is so fun about medicine. There's so much to learn out there. And I I tend to be that type of person. And in my business, like when people are asking for things, you just say, huh. 
okay, this is weird. Yeah, that person asked for this. Yeah, I'll think about that. But then when people are constantly asking you for it, you say, well, maybe I should go learn that. So Botox was sort of the, the step into the door, I guess you could say, of my aesthetic practice. And so once again, I am the weirdest pediatrician that you'll ever meet because I now have kind of jumped full force into the aesthetic world. And that mainly stemmed from not only my patient parents, so my pediatric patients, their parents were saying, you know, hey, we get Botox done here, there, or wherever, you should think about doing that. And then I had my acupuncture patients who are, you know, they're there and they're feeling better with their migraines or their back pain. And they're saying, hey, do you have anything that'll take off this brown spot right here? And so Sam, that truthfully is how I got involved in the aesthetic world. Um, it is is people were just asking for it. And then once again, kind of one of those things that just happens maybe by some divine intervention, there we had go. a gentleman, yeah, uh, seriously, we had a gentleman come to our office and set up a lunch and his name, uh, his name is Blake. Well, we thought, and my nurse even wrote it down, Rachel wrote it down and I'll call her out on that because we were just laughing about it the other day, but <laughs> she wrote it down in my schedule, Blake, with Vivance. So Vivance, if any of, if there's medical people out there or people that are on it, it's an ADHD drug. And I commonly give that in the pediatric world. And so we just didn't think anything of it. We were like, oh, cool. Blake's coming. And he's bringing us lunch. Great. I walk into that meeting and it was in fact, not Blake from Vivance. It was Blake from a company that sells lasers that take brown spots off and resurface skin and do oh, all this stuff. A little I was a little thrown off because here I thought we were going to have a lovely medication talk. And instead it's, Hey, do you want to buy a laser for $200,000? So woo, that'll make you choke on your lunch, by the way. Sam. Exactly. I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. So oh. let's just fast forward about six months. And after I keep having all these patients say, Hey, Dr. Jen, you should, you should look into this and you should do something that takes these brown spots off. Well, guess what? Um, I'm, you know, I, I love to learn new things and it's fascinating. And so I totally launched into the aesthetics world. I took some courses on injecting and Botox and other, you know, neuromodulators and fillers. I don't do a lot of fillers here yet at all, but I've, I've really loved some of the devices that help our bodies basically turn back the clock. Exactly. Or sometimes even 20 years. And so it just helps us all to age gracefully. And I do feel like during COVID, you know, the, the zoom boom as they call it, but the zooming and all the meetings where you're just looking at your face all day, I think it made a lot of us very aware that, whoa, baby, we need to work on a few things. And if I can help people feel better about themselves, I think that not only helps with their physical appearance, but it also helps with their mental attitude as well. And so I'm absolutely loving learning about laser medicine and Botox injectables and helping people feel good about themselves. So See, I love it's, it. it's amazing how much stuff there is out there right now that, that helps us to, to look better and feel better. And you've demonstrated a lot of those treatments on your sister, Jamie, haven't you? I have. She, she's my number one uh, model here that she's pretty willing to, to let me do about anything to her. And, you know, she's, she's my younger sister. So I think she just likes looking younger and younger than me, you know, so. <laughs> just to rub it in. 
Yeah, just to rub it in. No, I'm just oh, that's funny. Girl, and I love helping, you know, keep her looking looking good. But anyway, if people want to see those demonstrations, they're on your uh, your Facebook page, aren't they, Jen? Yes, yeah, so we do tend to do quite a bit of Facebook um, lives, but we do also pre-recorded things and, and put those on there just so people, and we need to do more of them, honestly, on everything that I'm doing, just so people can know what to anticipate, like what's this look like? because it's very different when you get on like the Real Housewives of Orange County or something like, whoa, what are those people having done? This is not yeah. quite like that. I'm not <laughs> That's not realistic. <laughs> That's not realistic. Like, let's see something realistic and let's let people know, you know, what it looks like, what, what the, what, how spicy it is. That's a good word that I like to use, but it, exactly. But we're, <laughs> we're, we're having a good time with it and we love helping people feel good about themselves. Like Jennifer, I usually use the word spicy with wings. I am a wing nut. Yeah, when I, I use it with wings still too, but now I, I I use it with my aesthetic stuff on how painful it is. And so there you go. if it's a little spicy, that sounds a lot better than, oh, that's painful. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. We do love and we have goofy gas if somebody were to need it, but all very, you know, the, the cool part about them is it's very minimal downtime and literally they're going to look a little sunburned and maybe puffy for a couple of days, but the results that we're getting really are amazing. We're knocking decades off. Absolutely, and, and things like that. So it's really you fun. know you, people are are flashing back to their their childhood or, or young adulthood mm-hmm. <laughs> after yeah. uh, after receiving those treatments. So don't hesitate to reach out to to Jen and look at those uh, Facebook demonstrations, and that'll uh, help you to learn a whole lot more about the procedures that uh, Jen specializes in. And finally, we talked a little bit about this earlier, but uh, we've got to mention again that you are one of a handful of medical professionals offering uh, services to Henderson's Thrive Clinic. And this is designed to uh, uh, assist those experiencing difficulty covering uh, essential medical health costs. So uh, expand a little more on the uh, the mission of, of Thrive and explain your role within the organization. Sure. So Thrive was created by Dr. Rebecca Hopper and myself, and we got some help from uh, local pharmacist Chris Butler and my husband, and uh, actually my nurse Rachel Hensley is on the board, as well as my sister, and um, basically we are here to help those that maybe are falling through the gaps, and that's what I like to think of it about. Maybe they they make too much money to maybe receive Medicaid uh, services, but they cannot afford, or maybe their workplace does not offer um, uh, an insurance for them. So they literally are those people that have fallen through the cracks that do not have medical insurance coverage and that they're just needing some help. And so right now we are open, and I'm actually, we're running it through my office here on Water Street, and that was really to save on medical equipment costs and building and, and and rent and all of that. And so, you know, it was, it was truthfully an honor for me to be able to donate that space, you know, once a, once a month to, to be able to serve um, these, these patients. And so basically for a $3 copay, we will see a patient. And also that includes giving them their medication, either as they're leaving, if we have an extra volunteer that can run to Butler's and Uh, get those medications, or if not, we give them a prescription and Thrive pays for their medications at Butler's um, Apothecary. And so basically, 
for a $3 nominal fee. And if somebody can't afford the $3, then, you know, we would obviously waive that. We're not going to turn anybody away, but they'll get to see a doctor. And it's usually Dr. Hopper and I, we're always ready to accept new uh, physician, nurse practitioner, or PA volunteers. We're all volunteers that come here. Nobody's getting paid for our services, but it truly is a wonderful group of people. We have volunteers that are social workers, translators, nurses, uh, the doctors, and then some people who just are so excited to help. They're like, we'll, we'll do your reception work, check people in. We do COVID screenings, things like that. So they just and want to be it's, involved. It's just, yeah, they, exactly. They just want to be involved. And so it, it has truly been life-changing. We also did get some um, funding through Deaconess Hospital Henderson, and they allow us to use some services up there, including labs, mammogram, and some x-ray and CT scan if we, if we need it. And so people that have fallen through the cracks that maybe have neglected their mammograms, you know, for several years, even um, we're able to get them sort of the baseline routine care that they would ordinarily get. um, And we're able to get that for them as well. So it truly has been wonderful and patients have been fantastic honestly they're they're superb patients they're they're grateful that we are here and they come for their follow-up appointments because we do try to especially if somebody's coming with a chronic illness like high blood pressure or diabetes or anxiety and depression we are seeing a lot of mental health that we do we have them come back for follow-ups you know monthly or if they're doing well they can skip a couple of months but these are patients that they're the first ones at our door ready to get back in here and tell us how great they're doing or if they need a tweak of their medication so we're, well, we're having a ton of fun with it well that's great it's great that uh, you've got such wonderful community involvement too and this is all modeled on uh, like we said your experience yeah. in uk yeah. med school Exactly. Yes, sir. And Dr. Hopper also went to UK. So she worked at the Salvation Army Clinic as well. And so we together kind of had this dream and I got to help her kind of make it into reality. So and to answer your other question, yeah, my role there, I act, I'm, I'm technically on the board. I'm a creator and I'm our treasurer. So I do help in, you know, with me owning my own office, I feel like I'm like the master at efficiency as far as making every dollar count and, and, and things like that. And so I do act as our treasurer and make some financial decisions, but really I'm just a volunteer that's here that, that Saturday as well to see patients. And I'll, you know, I see mainly the kids that come in, but I don't mind helping out. And I love seeing some of the adults as well. So, see, so you're a doctor slash treasurer. <laughs> exactly. Doctor slash treasurer. All yeah. in one. And uh, so you, so the Thrive Clinic is an operation that what, one day a month you said? Yes. The second Saturday of each month. Okay. Second Saturday and of each as- month. Yes. And as need grows, we will get to open more and more frequently. My, my dream, and I know this is Dr. Uh, Becca's dream as well, but our dream is that maybe over the next few years is that we are so in demand that, you know, we're open very f- frequently, even like on normal, normal business hours would be amazing. So that's a long-term Same. dream though. So, so, something else you can shoot for mm-hmm. in, in years to come. Absolutely. But the, anyway, now, uh, lastly, we, we can't uh, neglect to mention that you've done a little podcasting of your own. You've had a, a little show called Dr. Jen Recommends. I have. I know that you've, you've put out several of those. And um, so why, why don't let's tell our listeners a little bit about what they can expect from that and what they can learn from it. Sure. Uh, I feel like I've neglected Dr. Jen recommends. And, you know, even my husband the other day, he was like, Jen, 
people are still downloading it. And so this podcast was truthfully originated to just get the word out on maybe hot topics, but maybe just general pediatric concerns that people need to know about. For instance, we're going into the 4th of July weekend here. And so, you know, I have a very fitting one on Dr. Jen recommends already, and it's on sunscreen use, because I think sunscreen and 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 just the the know hows when you have a newborn baby versus when you have a 16 year old people just get confused well can I put sunscreen on my little baby well I explain it all in Dr. Jen recommends but I just like to take little topics like that that I can I can be beneficial I can give people tips and tricks and and things that they may not have thought about and so Uh, I was just talking to Brent the other day and we were like, we've got to start recording again because I kind of took a step back. Plus I'd been so busy here over the winter, but uh, you had nothing else to do. I know. Yeah, I know. I just sitting around eating bonbons and didn't have anything (laughs) else to do, but (laughs) no, but I I was like, I really do need to get back into it because I've got some funny things and I kind of want to take it in a, in a fun direction where maybe I get together with some you know, I've, I've had this dream. I have some really funny mamas that come to my office and I'm like, oh my gosh, people would just think your stories are hilarious, but like how to, you know, what's different between raising a boy and a girl. And I just have some moms that would be great at that. And, you know, puberty and, and all these things, but basically I like to make them down to earth, real life situations and, and advice on how, you know, I can help guide parents in, in just different things along a kid's life, whether it's wearing sunscreen, whether it's vaccines and, you know, you hear so many things out there. And so I try to just make it real and give you the science behind things. And, um, I don't know, I think a few people like it. I think somebody oh, no. even <laughs> listens to me and I was like, well, that's fun. <laughs> See, and, and anybody, anybody that listens is, is going to love it. So uh, anyhow, but uh, that's, that's awesome though. It's timely that you should mention the 4th of July episode before you folks join Dr. Jen at the lake this weekend, <laughs> yeah, sure exactly. download that particular episode and <laughs> yeah, you can learn all about how to stay safe and, uh, <laughs> you know, protect yourself. But anyhow, I'm assuming this is available basically yet wherever you get your podcasts. It is. Yes, it is. So Dr. Jen recommends available everywhere. Available everywhere. You've also got a yeah. Facebook and a, um, You've got a Dr. Jen Recommends YouTube channel too, I noticed. I do, I so, do. Plenty of outlets to, to catch Dr. Jen and get her uh, her timely Very. advice. <laughs> well, <laughs> well we, have, uh, we have certainly learned a lot, all of uh, our listeners and myself. Now, million dollar question before we let you go. Uh-oh. No pressure. Okay. <laughs> what might you offer as far as advice to... Uh, young ears in our audience with aspirations of perhaps entering the medical profession, Dr. Jen. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a, that is a million dollar question. I we, say, we could do a whole show on that one, couldn't we? We could do a whole show on that one, but I would say you go for it. Find that mentor that excites you and, and never stop learning. And there are so many fun opportunities in medicine. And, you know, if, if I had it to do all over again, I would, I would totally do it again because there's just nothing like helping, you know, even if you don't go into pediatrics, but helping a child and and help them navigate life into adulthood, like there's nothing like it. But even if, you know, you choose a different specialty. Medicine is amazing. It's always going to be needed. And 
you know, you you truly can make a difference. And so I said, that's my word of advice. Then go for it. Go Don't for look it. Yes, Just indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Just like Dr. Jen has, has broadened her horizon several times um, throughout her career in the areas of uh, acupuncture and, and, and Botox, you know, you never, you never regret exploring different uh, avenues either, do you? No, no, especially at the end of the day, when you're just trying to do what's best for your patient, you just, you can't beat that. It's a great, it's a great just feeling and a great, um, a great career. Yeah, exactly. Because each patient is sort of like its own unique puzzle, if you will. Mm -hmm. It is, it is, especially in pediatrics, when they can't talk to you, you have to be that great detective. So yeah, yeah. exactly. You got to just know what exactly to ask and how exactly to look. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) but anyway, well, thanks so much for uh, taking time to join us again. I've sure enjoyed it. I hope you have. I definitely have. Thank you, Sam. We'll we'll do this again. Uh, don't don't have too much fun at the lake. You, you never know. You might be called upon while you're down there this week. I, I probably will be, and that's okay. <laughs> but anyway, you'll still you'll still find time for fun. I know. Yes, I will. Yes, sir. Oh, good. Jennifer Lyles, you rock. Oh, thank you. You rock, Sam. Well, Dr. Jen is truly one in a million, and you know, through her wealth of education and experience, she has proven that she's not afraid to broaden her horizons and explore different avenues. And that's really a good lesson for all of us when you think about it. We should never shy away from new and exciting adventures when those opportunities present themselves. And Jennifer has been such an inspiration to an awful lot of people. No wonder she's so well-liked by so many. And she has quite a bright future ahead of her in the healthcare profession. There is no doubt in my mind. So I am beyond thrilled that Jennifer Lyles was able to spare some time to come on with us today and discuss her background and her specializations. Now, I will link you folks to the Premier Pediatrics and Wellness website in my show notes too, okay? So all you got to do is hit that link, go to her webpage and find out all you need to know and then some about her various services and how to touch base with her for assistance resolving your healthcare issues. And I know that Jennifer Lyles will quickly become not only your trusted health professional, but also a great friend to you and your family because she develops quite a rapport with her patients and their close kin as part of concierge pediatrics. So don't hesitate to reach out to Jen. I know that she would be glad to either come to your rescue or help you find someone who can. Fair enough? Now, if you've got a healthcare professional that you'd like to hear recognized and featured here on Blabbing in the Bluegrass, I am just an email away. It's bluegrassblabbing at gmail.com, B-L-U-E-G-R-A-S-S-B-L-A-B-B-I-N at gmail.com. Let me know about that doctor, nurse practitioner, physician assistant, Whoever it is, you can also use that very same email to let me know about other subjects and guests that you'd like to hear on this show, whether they be restaurant owners, state park managers, musicians, as long as they have meaningful connections to the Commonwealth of Kentucky, I'm more than glad to consider them, okay? So let me hear from you either via email or through the Blabbing in the Bluegrass Facebook page where all of my previous shows are posted. So make sure you're liking and following the page. You can also stay up to date on future plans with teasers, which I put out generally once a week or so. Make comments, leave messages. I love hearing from you. 
via the Facebook outlet also. Now, if we play our cards right, gang, we are going to come back at you in July. Yes, indeed, two days after Independence Day on July 6th. So, after you uh, shoot off all your fireworks and entertain all your folks at your parties, you can uh, relax, recoup while you're joining us for... More big fun here on Blabbing Wednesday, July the 6th. And before we bid you adieu for this time, we need to cover the answer for this week's Bluegrass Brain Buster, which we gave to you at the beginning of the show. And to recap, way back in 1873, Louisville druggist John Colgan invented a product that you can find in virtually every grocery store out there these days. What is it? That product is none other than chewing gum. Yes, indeed, chewing gum was invented by Louisville druggist John Colgan way back in 1873. In fact, it was originally known as Taffy Tolu. Taffy Tolu, T-O-L-U. Now, when the name changed to chewing gum, I don't exactly know. But back in 1873, it was invented as Taffy Tolu by Mr. John Colgan, a druggist in Louisville. And uh, chewing gum is a great stress reliever, you know? It's a lot better than grinding your teeth. So if you get a little stress, you can thank John Colgan for that chewing gum that helps you to hopefully preserve your teeth and also gives you some great flavor and enjoyment in the process. Come on back next week for another Bluegrass Brain Buster. And remember, you can listen and subscribe to Blabbing in the Bluegrass free of charge via four podcast directories and more to come, so stay tuned. But anyway, you can find us on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Verbal. They are all easy to use. None of them cost a dime, and that is just another way that you can stay in touch with us so that I'm not sitting here by my lonesome with nobody but a guest. Each and every The guests are great, but... Equally as great are my fans and followers, so make sure that uh, you take any means necessary to come on back each and every week and join the fun. Until we get together once again, you know your assignment. Have a great 4th of July while you're laughing and smiling and blabbing in the bluegrass. Because we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide, cause we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste.